You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Welcome everybody, this is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Tuesday the 11th, Tuesday the 11th of January, <laughs> it feels weird saying that, 2022, thanks for tuning in, uh, it's been quite a while since the last program and um, kind of needed, I felt like I needed a few weeks off for various different reasons and um, mainly to do with the program we're going to do today. Uh, things that I've been mulling over and thinking over for quite a long time. This program is going to be on YouTube. I almost, <laughs> I'm forgetting to press buttons here, and hopefully this is all sounding okay through the live feed, which is going through Thurman Audio, and um, which which is available at megidoradio.com forward slash live. And for the next few weeks, it will be on a Tuesday night. From February onwards, it will no longer be a Tuesday night. Uh, Tuesday night will no longer work um, from February onwards. But uh, we'll figure something else out, and um, and it's it, it basically been a topic that's been on my heart for a long time. What we're going to do tonight? Just going to jump straight into it. Try, um, basically a plea to the church: the need to face tyranny together. Um, normally, I don't have a script or anything like that for the programs. Normally, it's critiques and various things like that. That's just kind of the nature of the program, and. Uh, so uh, I have I have my ideas on a page. So so hopefully by God's grace, I don't say anything that would cause unnecessary division. If you've got any questions during the program, I've got the email in front of me, megiddoradio at gmail.com. So if you've got any questions and if you've got any comments, if there's anything technically wrong or anything like that, especially with the audio feed or anything like that, that would be wonderful to know. But everything seems to be going well so far. Um, don't know if anybody's even listening yet on the live feed, but, um, it's there anyway for some, I know some people prefer to listen live. So, um, when I wrote, when I basically, uh, these, these are thoughts that have been in my head for a long, long time and the situation keeps changing with regards to the virus. I'm just going to call it the virus because of, I don't know how these YouTube algorithms or anything else work and, um, and I'm... You know, I'm sick of saying the, you know, the C word with regards to the virus. So I'm just going to call it the virus for the the program here. And I'm hoping, by God's grace, that hopefully, might not happen, but whatever I get off my chest here will be hopefully the last of it. Because I, I, I'm, I kind of want, I want to go back to covering other topics and stuff like that. And it is massively dangerous, no matter how part, part of the topic is, if other th topics get neglected to due to a, a hobby horse of any nature. And, and, I, and I urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, keep up with the very basics of the faith. Yes, this is important when I'm talking about here. This is vital. And I think it's it, it's massively important that we go forward together, uh, which was the initial title I had for this program. But I said, you know, move forward together in what sense? Face tyranny. 
And uh, so that's undoubtedly what we're facing in many Western countries. There's a few odd exceptions here and there, um, probably like Florida, United States and places like that. But apart from that, not so much. So the title, A Plea to the Church, The Need to, to Face Tyranny Together. First, Firstly, I had the title, The Need to Move Forward Together, but I wanted to be more specific. Now, number one, right, the first thing I want to point out is I want to apologize. There's about two or three people who have, um, two that I can remember off the top of my head, who are asking me about doing this program. And I also put up on Facebook that I was going to do this program prior to returning to the live program on the 11th. I didn't, and I apologize profusely. I sat on this for weeks because things keep changing. And I'm almost hoping that this dystopian nightmare is just going to end. And you keep thinking in some ways it's just going to. And the last thing I want to do is pick up a hornet's nest unnecessarily for no good reason. The worst thing you can do in church life among God's family is unnecessarily stir up controversy to get listens or whatever else like that. And the temptation is real when you run a podcast or anything like that. So that that is the last thing I want to do. And I was hoping, perhaps, longer I left it, uh, the better things would get. And I think it's becoming abundantly clear that that is not the case. And time and time again, more and more, there's there's a precedent being set at the very at the very least going forward in how the church interacts with the state and everything else like that, especially when it comes to medical emergencies. So again, I want to apologize to those people. I said I would get this done weeks ago and I didn't, and I apologize for that. I've struggled and agonized over how to deal with this issue. The reason for this is I hate, and it's made me nearly physically sick just thinking about it, the idea of disunity within the body of Christ, the idea that we would be divided over something like this. And the the fact of the matter is, even the churches that may think that they're not being divided by it, they are. And you're going to get growing resentment in certain pockets and things like that and that's not good and i would urge you please forgive one another be patient with one another and um because we need to be united if we're going to have any chance of this the, the enemy would love us to be at war with one another so that my 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 goal here with the truth is to bring us together and i and just if if, if in my sinfulness I've neglected anything in this program, please forgive me. If I have, in my sinful and imperfect way of looking to help God's people, I've messed up here, I would ask you to forgive me and don't cause problems in your church. As much as possible. I know what you're saying, you have to contend for the truth and it's going to cause division and things like that. Peace at all. Not not peace at all costs. Um, what was it? Tr- truth at all. Uh, peace where possible. Truth at all costs. I think that was a Martin Luther quote. Please receive from a person who is truly brokenhearted at the response of the church since March of 2020, and I am. And by the way, that includes my own response, where I too have failed. I am not saying. 
hey, look at me, I had it all figured. No, that's not the case. However, the longer we are paralyzed in our fear to this now mild virus, I repeat, this now incredibly mild virus, regardless of what we thought in the past, whatever we think, it is a mild virus. We want to follow the science. It is an incredibly mild virus. It was never as bad as they made out. The doomsday predictions were universally wrong. The more we are paralyzed in our fear to this mild virus, not everybody's going to be like that, of course, the more disunity and disharmony will emerge. And I say emerge because it's it's there, but it, you won't always see it straight away. Um... People are frustrated, sometimes for good reasons and sometimes for not so good reasons. I am giving what I hope will be my final word on the issue, but um, I doubt it will end with this. I hope. It's a, it, maybe it's a wishful thinking, but we'll see. We face a problem within the church over having the state decide when and how we meet. We've allowed encroachment in that area. We have effectively given power over to the state to decide exactly if the meetings take place. There's a few churches, probably in the minority, who have stayed open, or you know, when the government says don't meet. Um, and most would be ready at the drop of a hat to shut down again once the government says jump. Um, for the, we have effectively put the, the health and safety over something that this is, these are all facts, by the way, these are incontrovertible, something that the virus is, you know, people with that, or diagnosed with that, um, not even from the very, very politicized virus that we have at the moment, um, people have died at the average age of 82 years old, 82. And generally speaking, there are many more, quote, quote, morbidities with that. So most of the time, I think if we actually narrow down how many people were actually killed by this thing, it'll be far less than we are quoting. And in, in, in the process, we have done cruel things in the name of loving our neighbor. We have allowed people, one of those cruel things is we've allowed people to die alone. Did we protest about this? No, we kind of more or less supported it. And then those poor people who went through that horrible ordeal. It is cruel. There's no other word for it. Sometimes in real emergencies, and I want to point this out as well, in real emergencies, this is not a real emergency. What we have at the moment is panic. What we have at the moment is this utter hysteria over something that is akin at, at, at worst to a bad flu season. Sometimes in real emergencies, not meeting is wise for a brief period of time. And I emphasize brief. If you look back in 1918, the Spanish flu, it was very brief moments of time when people didn't meet. Um, and 1918 Spanish flu was much worse, much worse, um, and and killed people who are in their 20s and healthy and everything else like that. And um, 
there may become, you know, snow blizzards and other things like that. that maybe may be wiser not to meet for that one Sabbath. So I do not want to seem that I'm throwing all caution to the wind and that there's never a case that it wouldn't be wise for this to happen, okay? So I don't want it to be, oh, no, no matter what happens, yet there can be times, there can be times when it is wise, but it is an extraordinary times. The, the last two years, I, I know we, we tell ourselves that, but it, it hasn't been as extraordinary as we keep telling ourselves. The church is not an entertainment center. It is not a sporting event. It is the most important thing going on in the nation by a country mile. God meeting with his people is the most important thing we do every week. It is far more important than the government even getting together and deciding what they decide. The church, the elders of the church, have the keys of the kingdom. They decide when the meeting takes place, not the, not the state. The church, those elders given responsibility to rule and shepherd over his people, are the ones who prayerfully decide based on good and godly reasons. And there must be good and godly reasons. The reason for closing down services and impoverishing God's people of fellowship must be due to extraordinary circumstances not based on a mild virus. This has been a mild virus for quite a long time. And ever since the vaccines came out and we had the most vulnerable vaccinated, that should have been it. That should have been over. But it wasn't. It wasn't. And even then, most of us overreacted, myself included. Um... It should never go forward for two years, ever. Don't care what the virus is. The, the, the spiritual health of the body is far more important than anything else going on. I would much rather live six months walking with God than, than walk another 60 backsliding. I hope we all feel like that. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? The most important thing is our walk with God. Now, we may face imprisonment. We can't meet with God. Okay, that's outside of our control. But, may it take something extraordinary like imprisonment to keep us away from God's people. Most, I must point this out, by the way. I think most people in the churches are not fearful of the virus. Most. But most are fearful of the minority who are themselves terrified of what they cannot control. I think we're mainly we're mainly terrified of the of a minority of people who have some connection to medicine or whatever and they themselves are fixated on this. And then everybody else is afraid of offending that person. Now we shouldn't want unnecessary division. But brethren, I want you to think, if this includes you, do not let your fear allow that to mistreat your neighbor. And there's many ways people have suffered over the last two years. COVID isn't the only thing. <laughs> I just let it slip. 
the virus isn't the only thing that's happened over the last two years. Well, there, there goes the algorithm and uh, probably not, probably not going to be able to find it on YouTube. I don't know how it works, by the way. I have no idea. Um, we must lead the way of love for people. We must lead the way out for to love people paralyzed with fear, regardless of the type of fear or whatever they're fearing. I think there's a lot of fear around. There's different types of fear. It's not just about the virus. But we must lead the way. I'm not bashing, not saying we're better than anybody, but we must try, all of us, as much as possibly by example, to live godly lives and to try and encourage each other because people are sorely lacking in encouragement. We must stop telling people it is loving and necessary for people to block half their face, visually, vitally necessary for, for the communication, fellowship, and mental well-being of the church in order to love our neighbor. If you want to do that, you do that. But do not say the only way to be loving is that. That, that is that's judging your neighbor and everything else. If you want to do that and you're convinced that that's the right way to go, go for that. But you also have to consider the, the, the mental health and well-being of others who cannot see most of your face most of the time. And this does imp impoverish fellowship. There's no doubt about that. Many, including myself, are in no way convinced that masks help to stop the spread of a virus that is now somewhere between a common cold and the flu for most. These are just facts. Now, I don't want to lessen the pain of people who've got currently people in hospital with this, just as I want to, don't want to lessen the pain of anybody else who's got um, somebody in, in the hospital currently with seasonal flu. Seasonal flu is no joke. Some people get it really, really badly. And some people even die from seasonal flu. So this is not me lessening it. This is just, what do we do with these things? We deal with them in a balanced way. We, we look at various things and we try to be biblical. We are harming people. This is the problem, friends. We're harming people under the umbrella of love. We're, we're kind of... It's the most dangerous type of abuse of our neighbor is when we think we're actually loving them. Now, I want, I want you to ask the question, what would, what would have happened to the world if this level of caution was exercised during the times when cholera and actual plagues were prevalent? You know, back in the, you know, Martin Luther, bombs being dropped over London with Lloyd-Jones and all this kind of thing. Um, the work kept going on of the kingdom. Now, we may debate with certain figures whether they should have in certain situations. But it, nothing would be done. If this level of caution, this level of safetyism was ever carried out in church history in various points. I have no problem if for a very short period of time we say, okay, let's, let's ease off for a little bit and reassess. Okay, that's, that's fine but not for two years. Constantly thinking about this thing. 
it is like we are serving at the altar of a virus. And we have to keep the virus happy. Why? By staying away from each other and treat each other with suspicion. And then if we are good, then this, this false idol will bless us. That's the danger we're falling into right now. Now, I want to repeat something I said at the beginning. I have failed myself. This may feel like a confession. In some ways it is. Maybe some way of getting uh, some guilt off my chest. In March of 2020, I backed lockdown for sinful and self-serving reasons. What reasons? This is just me being honest. I was quite happy, like many, to remain indoors. I'm a bit of a hermit. I'm happy with a cup of coffee and reading a book, whatever. I love my home. I love my family. And, we're, it, you know, <laughs> much of the time it's hard to get me out of the house. Um, looking back, we can make doing what we want. I'm talking for myself here. Make doing what we want. Look loving while, in fact, being cruel. This is why I've written this down, because I probably wouldn't have said this had I not thought about this beforehand. I do not judge the motives of all who back lockdown in the past, but I believe I did not exercise wisdom in my backing of this in 2020 and in 2021. I've repented of such folly, and in late 2020, our family were basically seeing the damage of such fear-mongering from the media, I was doing to myself, my family, and everything else, we went about trying to get back to normal as quickly as possible, and probably took it for granted that other people would do the same. It has taken time. It will leave psychological scars for generations to come, by the way. It does not come without a cost. I believe my own mental health has suffered significantly over the last two years and probably been one of the lowest points since I got saved and it hasn't really been like this since before I became a Christian. So I can only imagine what it's like for others who really, really struggle with this and who really don't have outlets for what's going on in their lives. This does not come without a cost. People, wonderful people, people who are expected to smile and um, all the time they're suffering inside. Suffering from not seeing the faces of loved ones at church or in other situations. Children's offering, not sure how to express it, and not themselves understanding it, being pressured into wearing a mask. And I'm sure the parents don't see it like that. I can probably guarantee you that they don't. They think it is part of their civic duty, I'm sure. A mask to make mommy... Or daddy proud, perhaps. That could be the reason. 
if they adopt the inclusive mark of the day. We all want to belong, don't we? All, we don't want to stand out and be a sore thumb. Nobody, especially children, want to feel excluded. It leaves scars. One that can stay with you for a lifetime. We, I remember things from my childhood, things, you know, that have left mental scars. What will it do to these kids? Some of us need fellowship. We all need fellowship. We all need Christian fellowship. But some of us need it more than others. Some of us will particularly struggle more than others. Some of us are built so they can go off and be missionaries and you know, which can be a very lonely experience in foreign countries. And some of us, no way should ever approach that. Most of us, really, to be honest. But while you may be okay, there's people, I'm sure everybody's suffering to varying degrees, but there's people who are suffering more than you, multiply by 100, multiply by 10, or whatever the case may be. Some have little to no contact with other Christians outside of Zoom calls and even an ever briefer services of worship. I say this not to condemn. I understand it is done for caring reasons, but the results have been cruel. At the time when we need more fellowship, now more than ever, um, it's been cut off, restricted. In times of crisis, we need to be together more not less. We've got to hear more of the word of God. We've pressured people into going against conscience in wearing a mask. When the mental health of many suffer while wearing them, and I believe that the mental health of many children suffer for not seeing their parents' face for whatever period of the day it is, No one wants to share this for fear of being looked at as some kind of conspiracy theorist or just somebody who's complaining and divisive and needs to be avoided. Anyone against lockdowns pointing out just how cruel and immoral to imprison healthy people out of fear or suspicion is wrong. If they have that view, could be seen as divisive. They're not caring. They're not loving. That's, that's the general perception. The people with the most fear and access to medical, the medical profession, doctors, nurses, and all these people, they're not infallible. Um, this thing left a lot of people scratching their heads back in 2020. But they feel, I think, sometimes they have to have all the answers. They don't. There's probably a handful of research scientists. The problem is there's been no debate over the data Anybody who disagrees with the government scientists who want to just copy the CCP in China are being shut down. Dr. Robert Malone, for example, gets kicked off of Twitter a few days ago and was on the Joe Rogan program. I have no idea if, if Robert Malone is correct, um, but <laughs> neither do the guys in Twitter let the debate happen. And, and truth has nothing to fear from the debate that takes place. That's how science works itself out. It's not by junior nobodies in, on blogs writing for third-rate jur journalism out, outposts 
is going to critique people who've got decades of experience within the medical field. Let Michael Osterholm debate with Dr. Robin Malone or whoever else. Get them in room, let them have a discussion, let them quote their studies and let people make up their own mind. Most people have been vaccinated anyway at this point. What harm can it do? But I digress. But I think people with the most fear and access to the medical profession, the ones that can be seen, not every single instance, but can be seen to the ones who take over and are in charge. We see this in a large scale with Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's basically, you know, if he says something, he's massively influential and he's massively powerful right now. That's a large-scale example. Or Chris Whitty over here in the United Kingdom, his advice is massively influential, just in the same way Stonewall's horrible advice is massively influential on 10 Downing Street. But that kind of power, that kind of influence, whether it be local or international, whatever, it's very hard to give up. Be honest with yourself. That influence and power can be hard to let go of. The lockdown's isolation of poor, lonely people, the impoverishing of worship through imposing of masks and all have been have been oppressive to those who wish to smile, hug, and embrace their neighbor. They feel guilty for even wanting to do that, even though this is an airborne virus and... Very little has been, I don't think handshakes have had anything to do with transmissions purely in the air. But for some reason, the elbow is okay. That's a bizarre old thing. Handshakes, no, no, no. But you can do fist bumps. Oh, oh. The virus <laughs> respects fist bumps. I'm not trying to d dismiss anything, but I'm just trying to dismiss the logic. Does it make any sense? We're impoverishing human relationships, and for what? I believe we need to get back to some kind of holy kiss. Paul said in a lot of his letters, greet each other with a holy kiss. What is the holy kiss of your culture? It may be a hug, it may be a handshake, it may be whatever. Do that. Not the gang, gang signal. Anyway. Um, Shirley is being created in God's image. We need to greet each other with the holy kiss of the day. It lifts my spirits to shake hands and hug somebody I care about. Um, whenever I get to shake hands, but a bit, a bit of surprise when people still do it, and I'm like, yes. It lifts my spirits. Now, people then say, what about Romans 13 obeying magistrates? Yes, we should win. Now, you've also got to think, when people say, well, Romans 13, we've got to obey the government. When? In every single case. So, no Christian, no genuine Christian, would say that we should obey the government when the government says to deny Christ. Okay? I think we all agree with that. So, everybody's got a limit on governmental power. There's limits on the government at the home. I think we'd all agree with that. Um, the, the father doesn't have right to keep his daughter for the, forever. You know, if he's a tyrant, well, you know, leave. So there can be tyranny in the home. 
They can be tyranny in the church. They can be Diotrephes-type people who want to lord it over other people. And then there can be, um, obviously, tyrants at the governmental level. You can have tyrants in any organization or whatever the case may be, where the rules don't apply to them and then they impose burdensome, cruel, and oppressive rules on everybody else. They mistreat everybody else. We should, as much as possible, submit to those in authority as much as possible without disobeying God. Now, hold the phone. And say, well, wearing a mask, that's not disobeying God. But is it not robbing an impoverishing fellowship. I'm not giving you the answer here. I'm basically, I want you to ask these questions to yourself and go before the Lord. Um, at what point can the government tell us you need to do this during worship? Oh, but it's only guidance. But the, 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 the church is more than willing to just do everything. There are limits to what they can do. Surely we admit that. And there are certain places they have no jurisdiction over. The power of the keys they have no jurisdiction over. The power of the keys. That is, the preaching of the word, church discipline, and also um, decrees. Acts 15. If we treat the government like they have to be obeyed in every situation regardless of what they do, and there's no limits on it, we treat the, the government like they're God. People need hugs at the death of a loved one. It would be cruel and horrible not to give somebody a hug when they need it. Well, the government says you're not allowed to smile. What if they said that? No rules against smiling. They need to see faces, and people should never be allowed to die alone, as which which is what happened. I mean, that's what happened around the first lockdown. Lots of mothers and family members died alone, needlessly. And um, back in May of 2020, what was the government of the United Kingdom doing? Partying. See, the rules are not for them. A tyrant often rare, very rarely follows his own rules because they're so cruel and so oppressive, even they don't stick to them. It's all a show. It's all theater. It's just all theater, and we're all buying into the theater. You know, we're against slavery, but what if we basically become utter slaves ourselves? Today, everyone is getting this virus and attempts to curtail it are pretty much worthless. It... Um, the infectability, or the, the the it's so infectious and it spreads so quickly. It's basically like measles at this point, but for most, it's little more than a head cold. 
if even. Is not the health of our neighbor spiritually worth more than our fears? It should be. If we cannot move on and face this threat together, when? A lot of people don't think this is persecution of the church because basically it's happening to everyone. Yeah, the government is persecuting everybody. Suppressing everybody. We would all admit that the Chinese government is, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, oppress the, the church. But it's not just the church, it's also the Uyghur Muslims who are slaves to that oppressive regime. They're not the only ones. That, but does that mean, therefore, oh, they're not the only ones, everybody has to follow these rules. Well, then, therefore, uh, it's not really oppression. We'd never say that. There are plenty of times when, when Christians in the in the Chinese uh, in, in in China have to and should and do bravely disobey their government and speak out against their government. And our governments, governments around the world, around the West, they saw China and Italy shut down in very totalitarian ways and went, hmm, let's just copy them. Not, oh, what's what's the problem, really? What, what could possibly be the problem? If we cannot move on now, I want you to think about when. When? When will come the time, if ever? You see, you know, we'll often get around. People have, and I've had many over the years, many conversations about, you know, if you're a Christian in 1930s, 1940s Germany, and, you know, how few actually stood up, how there was um, the silent majority. Well, will we be part of the silent majority? I'm sure some countries in the West will just will return to some type of normality, but I think many of them won't. Now, which ones they are, I don't know. I don't know the future. It doesn't look good for countries like Australia, which are imprisoning people. And $5,000 fines, I think it's in the Northern Territory, wherever Dan Williams is the uh, the premier over, whatever region that is. There was a story on, on, on Heard, was it about a month ago now, of a young woman who was a cross-contact. She was arrested, threatened with a $5,000 fine if she in any way breached the rules. $5,000. Um, in Greece, if you're, I think, over the age of 60, if I'm not mistaken, and you do not get vaccinated, you are going to be punished with heavy fines. And there's other examples around the world. I don't want to go into all of them. But this is, I mean, this is happening everywhere. But we just have to pretend it's not. And we just have to constantly have the, 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 the death drum of case numbers and death numbers, by the way, of people with COVID, not of, dying of it. And then what do you have? A situation where it's really people testing positive for it, and it's not the reason when they're in hospital at all. I think 50% of the cases 
that they're quoting. So fear is being drummed into people. Why do we need to wait for the leadership of godless and tyrannical leaders before we move forward together? Why do we need to wait for the leadership of people like Boris Johnson and the rest of, for example, just one government pick in there, and they don't believe that COVID is that serious. Why? Because they don't. They broke their own rules several times. Different parties that took place in in May of 2020 and and December of 2021 and or no, was it 2021 or 2020? Whatever it was. We nobody could see anybody. Everything was in shutdown, lockdown, everything. They don't believe it, and and they're obviously not that concerned about it. Actions speak louder than words. Rulers who do not believe the overhyped, who do not believe the overhyped hysteria themselves, the people are pumping it out themselves, as evidenced by Boris Johnson. Are, are being used for justification for people allowing others to die alone. I'm just picking out one example of one of the ways it's been utterly cruel and horrible. People under the aim of loving your neighbor, how many people have been left to grieve alone during the last nearly two years? Sorry, it doesn't sound like love to me. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. If they do not fear the virus, and they're following the science, why do we? Tyrants don't follow their own rules. They don't. That's when you know you live under tyranny. The government, the rules don't apply to the government. They apply to everybody else. The slaves. If what is claimed is to be for our good, is really for our harm, that's when it is an abusive, oppressive relationship. It is mistreatment, one which we are not as Christians to join in with. It says, just to, um, this is in reference to the oppression of the people by Egypt. Exodus 3, verses 7 to 9 says this, And the Lord said, I have seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows, so I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression of which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God delivered his people from oppression. Brought them away from evil. In and one of the places it talks about the ethical implications of this, when, when oppression does take place, um, mistreatment of the neighbor. Isaiah 1 verses 16 and 17. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from my eyes. Cease to do evil. Then verse 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. 
rebuke the oppressor. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. And then the verse that everybody knows, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. So in the process of ceasing to do evil, learning to do good, here's something they weren't doing back then, by the way, because they claimed, oh, we're doing all this. We are loving our neighbor. Well, cease to do evil. Learn to do good. No, no, don't support the oppressor, rebuke him. And because now we're at the moment, many of us are defending the oppressor and rebuking the fatherless and the widow. Now, the fatherless and the widow were the the people back at that time who would have been typically without a voice. If you're a child without a father, you know, in that system, that's when you'd often wouldn't have as much representation for the law courts and everything else like that. The widow is the same way. They don't have a father. They don't have a, a husband to represent them. And so what would happen? They would typically be treated horribly. Now, the fatherless and the widow, who is that today? Today, it's the unvaccinated. Today, it's the person without the health passport. Today, it's the person who doesn't want to declare private health information. Who will it be tomorrow? Well, if we're following along in the the process of the credit system that is found in communist China... Well, then it will be a credit system. Then whoever worships and obeys the government above all else will be paying like taxes and all that kind of stuff. If we follow in the pro- in in the in the path of the tyranny of communist China, how we treat our neighbors is important. What were they told in Exodus? Do not oppress the stranger. Do not oppress the foreigner, for you are foreigners in the land of Egypt. See, largely today, we've got, a, we've got a theology that is so divorced from how we live. But one of the blessings, dear friends, one of the blessings of the last two years is, I think, it has forced us to think about these things, where we would have been lazy and slothful about them. So there has been good things that come out of this. Verses that I myself would have skipped over and not really paid attention to. And verses I would have looked at and went, well, the poor is not, I would have, you know, thinking about terms of, well, that's not defending communism. It is not defending communism. Of course not. But the, how would I put it? Then you just skip over it. Well, it's not defending communism. We know that. And then you skip over and. But what is it positively saying? And me, I'm talking about me, I didn't positively do this. And it has been positive from that point of view. Whatever is happening, the Lord and his providence is getting us, if we're actually in the word, to look at the scriptures and it should change our lives. It is not about just changing our opinion. It's not just for online debates so we can look smarter. It's to change us and conform us so we live holy. And godly lives. If our theology has no impact when oppression comes, when certain groups are mistreated, then do we join in? Do we join in with the oppression? Do we actually help 
That's a scary thought. Do we actually help in the oppression of our neighbors? Because we want to be as biblical as we, we can be, don't we? And we want to truly, I hope, love our neighbor. Romans 13 is clearly not teaching to obey the state in everything. I think everybody would agree with that. But where the line is, we need to think about. An argument could be made, hypothetically, even though I think it was a complete catastrophic failure of a public health policy, but an argument could be made for, for defending the first lockdown or supporting it when it happened. Because you can make the argument, okay, they're misguided, but they mean it for good. There's, there's no way you can give them that benefit of doubt anymore. Especially when it's gone on for two years. No way. And by the way, I also understand, and I hope, I can't remember exactly the words I used back in the day, but the, I could see why people kept meeting. By the way, looking back, they were dead right. By the way, it's not something to boast about. That's also been a problem. There has been a group of people who said, hey, we're so orthodox, we never stop meeting. Just, there's been some people who never stopped meeting. They didn't, you know, blow their own trumpet or anything like that. And they kept loving God's people and everything else. And they're a wonderful example. Probably the best example that came out of this. But if if you could ever make an argument for for this, it must be for a brief moment in time. But unfortunately, what this what has happened? The state, along with the complicit godless media have terrorized the public and oppressed the unvaccinated in various countries and also demonized them. So the language is getting more and more vicious and it could turn to violence. They have discriminated against those who suffer while wearing masks. These people who suffer while wearing masks suffer in having to share painful and private health information to those who do not wish to share with. They don't want to share this information with most of the people who ask and demand it from them. Like the chief medical officer up in Northern Ireland apparently challenges people and he knows exactly when they should be wearing their mask and all this kind of stuff. Um... They suffer in having to share painful and private health material to those who do, they do not wish to share with, to the busybody who would think evil of the person who does not wear a mask. Will such suffering be met with a sympathetic ear among our leaders, especially in the church? Or will such suffering be something they cannot wait to be rid of if it if people do feel so frustrated and then leave i don't advocate anybody leaves by the way you know their churches over this try and stay where possible worst thing is that you end up with a bunch of churches that are all covid observing and not covid observing it's going to long term it's to the detriment of the church it's 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 short-sighted um 
all splits of this nature hurt the church. These are real issues, and I am convinced that there are people suffering greatly, but tell no one. And don't feel they can go to anyone. I am convinced that there are people who feel more and more penned in, but I hope many will seek help. Look, if if you... I'm not the best person to go to because I don't know your personal situation, but if you can't go to somebody else and it is an emergency, come to me. Yeah, Because the last thing I want to know is that somebody's life could have been saved. Last thing I want to know is that people within churches this is the worst case scenario when you that rather than going to seek help they don't and the unthinkable happens I think you know what I'm talking about don't let the unthinkable happen are we at the cusp of a surge in mental health decline even within the church, with all the hope we have to look forward to, or profess that we have to look forward to. Our services are too focused on the virus. We need to be thinking of Christ and Him crucified, and that's what should saturate our minds. Leave the fear-mongering and the whatever's. We've seen enough of it throughout the week. I think people know what to do at this point. The devil loves to distract. Please, my friends, go forward, encourage each other to move on together, to face tyranny together. Forgive each other. Repent before God, trusting Him and knowing that He has forgiven you who have trusted in Him. Ask forgiveness of one another where you have failed others. Free yourself of this guilt before it brings you down. We need to love our neighbors, but not according to the world's standards, according to God's. According to God's. Our problem is not mainly with the mild virus we have overreacted to, but with the lack of the fear of God. We lack the love of God. And we really lack the love of neighbor in a true sense. We have been manipulated, we have been pushed and prodded and allowed the media to, uh, to mistreat us. Switch it off. If you don't have the discernment to to know and to be able to sift through what is absolute propaganda, what is nonsense, turn it off. Many of them, and most of the mainstream, are liars. Professional, paid liars. The standards have dr dropped so much in the last two years in journalism. They were pretty bad before that, but they've gotten a lot worse now. We want to think we are doing good and that others see that. 
But you have had your reward. And for much of the last two years, it's been virtue signaling. Let us be truly virtuous, but before God, according to his standard. Not in a way to impress a fallen and sin-cursed world. I'm going to leave you with this thought. And hopefully, hopefully this will be the end of it, and hopefully we can go on to other topics next week. Jesus said, Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God bless you. I pray and I hope that this has been a help to you and hopefully it will help us to all move forward together. May God bless you all.